Welcome to another episode of Failing Forward. As always, I'm your host, Steve Hofstetter. And if you like the show, make sure to tell other people that. You could use word of mouth or you could use this newfangled digital stuff. I just was trying to sound as old as possible just then. Uh, review us, comment, subscribe, do all that stuff so that other people who uh, you think would enjoy this will have an opportunity to find it. And I'm joined here by Susie Lewis. So Susie is, you were one of the first people I met in Hollywood. Really? Yeah. Uh, I think it was my first or second night here. Wow. Yeah. Uh, through, we had a mutual friend who was another yes. comic. Yes. And uh, I was immediately impressed because you created one of my favorite shows. Yes. I like to say co-created. Co-created. Sorry. Created is good too. So co-created, <laughs> one of the creators yes. of Daria. Yes. Which, if anyone who's watching does not know Daria, go and watch it. Go and watch what Where is it available now? Um, I would assume some streaming network's got to have yeah, it. Yeah, I know Hulu had it the last time. I yeah. don't I don't know if it's streaming right now, but I know you can find stuff on YouTube. Yeah. And there's like a lot of bootleg things going around. Daria was Daria was back when MTV was good. Yes. Which is seems like a foreign concept to most yeah. people. Yeah. But MTV used to be one of my go-to channels. When I first got cable, which I was 15 years old, I got it very late. But when I first got cable, MTV was Good Music Videos, um, Beavis and Butthead, mm -hmm. and Daria. Yeah. And <laughs> that's what and that's what it was one of the networks I would just flip to to check first. Yeah. So if you could, let's start with the beginning of it. How did Daria come to be? And what, what, were you working on anything before? Um, well, when I first discovered MTV, it was like wall-to-wall -wall music. There yeah. were no like programs on. There was no real world. There was no Beavis and Butthead. There was just music videos all the time. Yeah. And Even I, Beavis and Butthead was half music videos when it started. Yes, and I actually produced that portion of the show. Oh, so wow. I was a co-producer on Beavis and Butthead as well. Yeah. So um, I didn't know what I wanted to do in college. I switched my major about eight times. I went to Temple University on a gymnastics scholarship. I switched my major, like by the fourth year, I was hurt, I had knee surgery, I had back issues, I couldn't do gymnastics. And they were like, well, you need to kind of pick a major. Yeah. And I was like, well, I, you know. Like I thought I, I was gonna be a professional gymnast, yeah. like nobody, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like nobody ever does. Exactly, so when I realized that I'd have to go to college for another four years under one focus, I ended up transferring to New York Tech because they accepted all of my credits and gave me a triple major. So I just went an extra year. And it was while I was at that school in an accounting class, the only doodle I could draw was the MTV logo. I always just drew it and drew yeah. stripes on it and colored it in. And the kid sitting next to me said, oh, MTV, my sister works there. Oh, wow. And That's I how... just thought, what? You can work there? How, yeah. Like, how? What did she do? I just thought do? this was just a collection of cool people. Yeah. Like, who knew? There were jobs. And I just thought, that's what I'm going to do. He said she got an internship. They liked her. They hired her. And now she works there. And I was just like, that's what I'm going to do. So I didn't even know <laughs> what I wanted to do for five years in college until that point. And then, like, the next day, I applied for an internship at MTV um, with the help of the college. And... 
uh, VH1 gave me a call, and I was like, well, I applied to MTV. What's VH1? And they were like, oh, well, we're all the same company, but yeah. if you're not interested, that's fine. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're, we're, like, okay. we're like MTV's classy older brother. Yeah, I'm like, that's fine, as long as you're, like, near them. Yeah. So I went in, and I got, like, an internship for two days a week to go in and spend the day there just being in the studio, doing any kind of, like, intern PA work and loving it. Yeah. And there were so many uh, options. It was like, do I want to be a director? Do I like being in a studio? What do I want to do? I love music. I like going on these shoots. Eventually, I worked my way over to MTV. And I worked on a lot of different things like Spring Break and all that stuff. So a lot of concerts and fun yeah. for like a 22-year-old. And then... Um, they were doing this show called Beavis and Butthead on Liquid Television. Liquid Television was a collection of cartoons that just aired for a half hour. Yeah. And Beavis and Butthead was a show that the promo department decided they wanted to produce. And they thought, how can we make this a show that's relating to music, at least somewhat close to what our channel's about? Because we have like a cartoon. And the idea, I don't know from who, came up... Um, with uh, putting music videos into the show. Yeah, so, they would watch, and for again, if you're unfamiliar with Beavis and Butthead, <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Uh, so Beavis and Butthead would sit on the couch and they would watch music videos, mm -hmm. and they would talk shit over the music videos. Correct. There was still, there's one that I still remember, and it was why, I remember my mother talking about how dumb it was, <laughs> and I remember her talking about how, you know, these two idiots, and I was like, first of all, You've got to know, Butthead is smarter than Beavis. That is, there is a clear differentiation, which was a brilliant thing of that even among idiots, someone is a bigger idiot. Of course. But also, the writing was brilliant. There was one that I specifically remember about, uh, there, there's some, uh, there was some bike in the video, and they start, Beavis starts talking about how someone stole his bike. <laughs> and, you know, and then Butthead was like, and he's like, oh, that guy stole my bike, that's my bike. And Butthead is like, that's not your bike. I stole your bike. And Beavis just completely ignores it. Do you remember and, which band it and was? And then I don't remember which band okay. it was, but I remember because I never concentrated on the music videos. I was just listening to Beavis and Butthead. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, uh, Beavis says, uh, you know, come to think of it, like someone stole $5 from me also. And so, or he says that in the beginning. And then at the end of it, Butthead just goes, hey, since you don't have a bike anymore, can I have the bike lock that you used to use? And he's like, no, what if I get my bike back? And he goes, I'll give you five bucks for it. <laughs> and he, it was brilliant. It was just and such a- And it was a, over a music video? It was over a music video. Okay. It was just like, this was the commentary going on yeah. while the music video was happening. And I still, like, I still remember that. To me, that was one of the first things I watched where I was like, that's great dialogue. Yeah. And that was, I, I loved that. That was a lot of fun. That yeah. was a very unique time. MTV was like really exper experimenting with TV and what they wanted to do and how they wanted to reach their audiences. That they even let a promo department make a show is yes. crazy. Yeah. And um, anyway, that show ended up spawning the animation department. Mm -hmm. We had probably 100 artists, producers, writers, directors. All in-house? in-house that's amazing working on beavis and butthead and the head of mtv at the time judy mcgrath um was putting out word that we should do more animation and we should maybe do one for girls and in beavis and butthead daria was a character 
She was their foil. She was yeah. the smart girl. They called her diarrhea, cha-cha-cha. I don't know if you remember that. I remember that. that. So they thought about spinning her off. And it was one of those things that happened in a meeting where someone had an idea for something. And Glenn Eichler, who is a writer on, um, who was a writer on Beavis and Butthead and I, we really like kind of connected and had been on Beavis and Butthead for a while. And we thought um, long and hard about wanting to do this spinoff of Daria and how it would work and wouldn't that be great if we could actually make a show? Because you have to, at that point, you have to create her world. Yes. Because she is a two-dimensional character in Beavis and Butthead where her only job is to annoy them. Right. And so then it's like, okay, where is she from? Who are her parents? What is her family life like? What is her... Does she have, you know, what's her dating life like? Who are her friends and all that stuff? And you have to come up with all of that. Right. And what does her world look like? You know, like even I never went to animation school. I found myself in an animation department. I always thought I would work on a sitcom or story driven show. So this was like a great combo to be at a music channel and work on a story driven show, even if it was animation. But we knew we wanted it to be realistic, you know. And we wanted it to be the opposite of Beavis and Butthead. So Beavis and Butthead had this really like wiggly like line style that yeah. was kind of messy looking. Um, and I thought, well, let's do the opposite. It's got to be a bold, clean. That's straight. so funny because it was such a the style of Daria is such block line. Everything's yes. outlined. Yes, and we had access to all these artists, so we did have a contest of sorts for everyone in the studio to come up with what they thought she would look like. So we had all these designs to choose from and ideas on like what kind of look we wanted to go with. And one of the artists, Karen Disher, who ended up becoming a supervising director on the show, drew these characters that look like the characters you know of Daria today. Do you have the losing designs somewhere? I have a lot of the old designs, Did, yes. Have those, always, have those ever been put out? Um. There have been some magazines and journalists who've asked me in the past for those, and I've given them. Because that's, yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. I'd love to see those. There's so much art from there, too, because the artists were constantly drawing, like, fun designs, even of Beavis and Butthead, too. Yeah. And we ended up using a lot of those designs in the credit roll to the Daria show because they'd have her dressed up like a nurse or have, like, all the other characters dressed up in different costumes and stuff and it was really fun and we just felt like we had to put it on the air somehow whose idea was whose idea were the parents how the parents um, were I, it's so hard to remember whose idea was what everything was probably yeah and everything was a collaboration and really um you know even the pilot was written by um two guys that wrote on beavis and butthead mm-hmm. who went on to do like so many successful things um they wrote a five-minute pilot. We tested that pilot along with probably six or seven other animated series they were thinking of putting on MTV. The Max was one. The Head was another. Eon Flux was one. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And when we played the pilots, which were really just animatics, black and white drawings, the group that was in there, probably 12 people, really related to Daria because she felt like a real character. And she wasn't a superhero in a G-string who doesn't speak. <laughs> yeah. She actually said a lot of very intelligent things and she was funny and her life seemed kind of real. And I really feel like that 
was why everyone loved her because they thought she was real. And we really hadn't seen a lot of real animation at that point. Maybe The Simpsons. She was real and relatable. Yes. And when it came to female characters, and this was the 90s, right? Yes. So female characters in the 90s in any sort of animation, you think of comic books and Mm -hmm. you think of like, oh, what's your superpower? Big tits. Like that (laughs) was what it was in comic books. Like I remember I started collecting comic books so right around when I got cable when I was like 15. And I remember just even I as a 15-year-old guy, I was like, this is a little much. Yeah. And so to have a character that spoke to the nerdy side of the room and spoke to the the dark side of the room and mm-hmm. she wasn't like she wasn't goth, she was just frustrated. Yeah. And it was great. There were so many of us who related to that. Yeah. And even though she's the nerd, mm-hmm. you know, she's still related to everyone else because everyone has those feelings in high school. Like you feel very alone, you feel very isolated, you feel misunderstood. A lot of those feelings I think continue through life. Yeah. You know, but um, everyone could relate to her, and a lot of people feel like she represented them, and that's always interesting to me because so many different types of people come up to tell me about how she was them. <laughs> you know, yeah, you have you have like the people who you basically who like you based Quinn on, yeah, and they would be like, oh, I'm such a Daria, yeah, Daria, <laughs> yeah, and I really feel like Daria, Jane, Quinn the mom, they're such a part of me too. There's yeah. a part of each of those characters that I really relate to. I love all those characters, you know? Quinn was supposed to be like a nuisance and a pain in the butt, but she was hilarious, yeah. you know? And when it came down to it, she actually had a heart and could chat with her sister and be normal, you know? But she was funny and she was into like makeup and yeah. she would have, you know, like some kind of really popular Instagram right now. Oh yeah, she would. A- Quinn would absolutely be an Instagram star. Yeah, right now. she'd be a YouTube star. She'd yeah. be one of the first like beauty channel people. You know. Yeah. But yeah. I liked one of the aspects that I really liked about Daria was that she she wasn't. It's funny to say this about an animated character that was literally two dimensional, but she wasn't two dimensional, <laughs> in that she was. She wasn't just, oh, she's the nerd and she's not popular. There were parts of her that wanted to be popular. And there were yeah. parts of her that wanted to play the game. And wasn't she wasn't just like, oh, fuck these people. I'm going to be off on the side. She There were parts where she reluctantly admitted to being that. And that was great. Yeah, I think that just comes from, you know... Everyone, no matter how different we are, we want to belong and we want to be liked and we want to be able to be social no matter how introverted we are. We do want to connect with people, you know, and our peers mostly. So, you know, that's what seems relatable to me, you know, and having all these extreme characters around her too, like not just Quinn, but all of Quinn's friends, (laughs) you know, and then of course, Brittany, the cheerleader and Kevin, the football player, they were such stereotypes, but they were still funny. Kevin was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Like that was a great character. Yeah, and so much, like you talked a little bit ago about like planning her family and what they were like, like so much of that first season was made up as we went along. Yeah, We never really pitched Daria as here's like what season one looks like, here's what season two, here's the characters. It was like literally like 
probably six drawings of characters <coughs> that were like given to um, a room of executives and they were like, you guys want to do this? And we're like, yeah. You oh know? my God, it doesn't work that <laughs> it way It doesn't work that way at all, which yeah. is why I don't have another show right now. Well, and let's talk about what happened next right yeah. after this break. Welcome back to Failing Forward, joined here by Susie Lewis, the co-creator of Daria, one of, I'd say, of shows that have a cult following over the years, certainly. You know, that would be certainly on the upper echelon of those. And so how long did Daria run? Uh, five seasons. Five seasons is a big deal. Yeah. And when... And you were there the entire time? No, I actually was there for three seasons. And then what happened? And then I came to L.A. because I always wanted to come to L.A. And I was getting a lot of attention about doing more series. Because you've got this hit show. Yes. And so you're like, I am going to branch off into doing – I'm going to go from being the co-creator to being the co just the creator. Well, I kind of went – I've been working for seven or eight years for a really long time. I want to go to – California and I want to travel <laughs> yeah so I didn't really ride that wave like maybe I should have I just sort of like got to know California I made a lot of friends I traveled all over the world well some of the world yeah and um, then came back and was like oh shit I need to like get a job <laughs> yeah and you know Daria is now over and now I'm going back into the workforce and I kind of went back to what I knew, which was music production. Yeah. And I had some friends from MTV that were out in California now, and I worked for them on various shows that we'd produce live music specials and stuff. Why did Why did Daria end? Um, I Well, the whole animation kind of dissolved, animation department kind of dissolved at MTV. Yeah. I think Daria was the last show standing. So this was as MTV started their transition into what it is now. I, I would say so, yeah. Yeah, because if I recall, that would have been sometime around Real World Vegas or, you know, when they start doing yeah. road rules and they start doing, like, everything becomes a competition show. Yeah. And it becomes who can be the trashiest. Yeah, and... Real World kind of started when Daria started, too. Like, I remember pilots of that show. Well, like, the going beginning around. of Real World, the mm -hmm. first couple seasons were groundbreaking and yeah. wonderful. Mm -hmm. I remember the Real World San Francisco where it's like, oh, here's a character with AIDS on television. Yeah. <laughs> how, excuse me. <coughs> and just how incredible that was mm -hmm. for people to be able to see on a daily basis, especially because so many people. MTV had two very different viewing audiences. MTV had Quinn and Daria. Mm -hmm. Basically, those were the two audiences. Yeah. And so to have that be watched by people was incredible. And then Real World went from we're going to put people of different backgrounds in a house and see if they fight or not to we're going to put people from different backgrounds in a house and see how many of them fuck. <laughs> yeah. And it became a very different show. Yeah. And MTV just became a very, very different network. And so yeah. that was probably around that same time. Yeah. So I was gone by then so yeah. I did three seasons of Daria and I consulted on the fourth season from Los Angeles and then the fifth season Godspeed. hard to consult from Bali or wherever <laughs> it is that you yeah. were yeah Australia yeah. which is great um, but yeah so that's kind of that story but um, when I think about your show failing we were talking about this a little bit earlier yeah um, I brought up success and what that actually means and I think it means different things to different people yeah so what does it mean to you um, for me it means financial stability and it also means 
working consistently. Yeah. Because my career has been so up and down and I usually work on a project to project, I have a lot of downtime yeah. and I never know what's next. So I'm constantly like wondering if I'm succeeding or failing. Because if I'm working, I'm succeeding. If I'm not working, I feel like, well, who knows? <laughs> I think it depends on what you're working on. I, I view success very differently. Mm-hmm. Because I think there is an element of like, look, you've got to be financially stable enough to live. But also, we live in a place that is much more expensive than other places. Mm-hmm. The idea of, I was talking to a friend of mine in Atlanta, and you know, she said something about how like, oh, <clears throat> she can't live in LA because she'd have to be rich. And I was like, I guess that means I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have a two-bedroom condo. <gasps> Like, That's pretty good. And the, yeah, I'm doing all right. <laughs> but the idea, and then I was like joking with her, and I was looking at real estate in Atlanta. One of my favorite things to do, by the way, is look at real estate in other places mm-hmm. and be angry at where I live. Yeah. And so looking at, and look, Atlanta is a nice city, and it's a city where people are being priced out now. And I still look and I go, I could sell this two-bedroom condo and have like a mini mansion. Mm-hmm. And because we're chasing our dream out here and or good weather. Mm-hmm. And so, like, financial stability, part of that is a choice yeah. of where you are. But I, I view success as being allowed to create what you want to create. Mm-hmm. And whether that allowed is by, you know, the greater, the president of Hollywood, whatever, whatever weird thing is pulling strings, mm-hmm. or whether it's something like my channel where I can just make stuff and then people watch it. Yeah. And so... I view success as creative fulfillment that doesn't leave you starving. Okay. Which, but again, that's me. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because, um, um, I don't know, I I constantly think about this too with the success and Mm -hmm. the jobs that I, because I've had so many jobs, I, I don't really believe I've taken some that I've been miserably on creatively. There could have been a situation with people that yeah. was that work wise wasn't, you know, great and that ended up making the project miserable. But creatively, like I I haven't like been able to choose jobs. Like they just kind of come to me. And the job that I'm on right now, it's really interesting. I haven't been this creative in a really long time. Yeah. Which is Great. Can you talk about what it is? Yeah, sure. It's it's actually a kids show that airs on Disney XD. It's called Player Select. Yeah. And it's really silly. It's we take um, video gaming footage and we kind of repurpose it and add like silly jokes to it. So yeah. it's just it's very immature. It's for like six year olds, <laughs> but we have a lot of fun doing it because there's like a lot of meetings where we're talking about all the silly things we can add to the video. And that surprisingly has been very fulfilling creatively for me, yeah. you know, and I think about some of the jobs that I've had in the past that maybe I thought, OK, I'm producing these in a logistical way. It was still actually Sea Rescue is a good example of a show that I really produced logistically and not creatively because the creative was kind of already set before I came on board. So you were so explain that. What were you doing logistically then? Just like setting up shoots, managing budget, um, making schedules, putting production packets with contact sheets together and scripts together and writing questions for interviewees and making sure the on-air personality had like you know where they were going and 
just every arrangement you could imagine in a production. Yeah. And that's the show that I won an Emmy for. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and get and I wasn't so creatively involved with that show, so it didn't feel close to me like the way Daria does. So you won an Emmy for a show, and that isn't the one that defines that you define as a success. It, I don't define it as my own success. Yeah, I feel like that Emmy represents all the work that I've done because yeah. it came so so far so much later in my career. <coughs> if I had gotten it for Daria, that would have made a lot of sense, and mm-hmm. that would have been amazing. It was still amazing to get an one Emmy's of those. An Emmy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's not like I'm. It's not to be nominated, about, as they say, but to have it <laughs> to is have a it real is honor. Really yeah. good, yeah, and it's really fun to look at too, all the time. <laughs> oh, I'd imagine that mantle is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but where do you keep it actually? It's above the TV. Above the so TV, so I'm looking at it a lot. <laughs> that's, no, that's important, and that way, if anybody, if you're watching someone else's show, you could still be like, "But yeah. that one's mine." Yeah, and they don't have one. Yeah, you know, because a lot of people are nominated. <laughs> so, okay, I, I like I like exploring the idea of you know of what is success. But also, is I mean, the whole premise of this show is defining that there is no failure. So if I were to be fair, I might have to say, well, is there success? Because if there is no failure, if everything is just a lesson, then is it really success? Because on one hand, if you ask 23-year-old me, just starting out as a comic, was am I successful now? I would say absolutely I am. But I don't know if 40-year-old me would agree. Yeah. Well, I think I had a lot of success very early in my career mm-hmm. with the way MTV panned out for me. I started my career there as an intern, and I ended up co-creating a show, yeah. which is pretty amazing. And it made me think then that that's how it would go. <laughs> right. All <laughs> like you got to do would, is doodle a logo yeah, in your notebook. I'll just move to California in the same so – I'll just keep going up. There's no yeah. down. Like I'd been going up my whole life up until that point. But there was several downs. As a gymnast, you should notice, <laughs> of all people, someone who's who constantly – like falling is almost part of it. Yeah. It's, well, that's kind of amazing too because – Hurting myself in gymnastics and not being able to do it again was a real identity crisis for me in college because I was always Susie the gymnast in high school and then in college. And then I just didn't have it anymore. And I didn't know what was going to be special about me for a long time. Well, not that long because I ended up working at MTV and then I was like, Susie got the cool job at MTV. No, it's Susie the MTV worker. (laughs) Yeah. But that's an interesting point, the idea of – what is someone's identity mm-hmm. and what defines them because it's almost always external now the external could be you know the baseball fan you know it doesn't necessarily need to be something you do it could be something you like but people almost need that definition they mm-hmm. need to categorize themselves in order to feel like they matter mm-hmm. And so when you lose what you have, I've talked to a lot of, uh, I used to do a podcast where I interviewed former baseball players. Mm-hmm. And I would call, ret- I got, I started calling retirement the cliff because you suddenly have to be a completely different person. Right. And then there are some people who like Arian Foster hates when people introduce him as a football player. Mm-hmm. 
because that's not at all what he does now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was one of the best running backs of you know of his of his decade. But he's a musician and a podcast host now, and that's what he does, mm-hmm. and that's how he defines himself. Yeah. And so maybe success is achieving what you define yourself as. Yeah. I also I tend to equate success with surviving as well because Mm. and that I think connects to like the financial part too because for me supporting myself and having such downtime where there's no income and then when I have income I'm just like holding on to it and stashing it and you know grabbing it you learn the lesson of not traveling the world right away yeah (laughs) yeah I did but I don't regret that it was really fun yeah um it's, you know, as long as I'm, and we you talked a little bit about being allowed to be creative and do your own things. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's being allowed to do what I've always wanted to do, and that's work in this industry, yeah. you know? And I have a lot of love-hate with that, too, because we do know the shitty sides of the industry, and but they're also great sides, you know? Yeah. You, when you do get to be creative and you do get to do a lot of what you always dreamed of, doing it's very rewarding but when you don't and you're struggling to get into it and going in and out of it it's very confusing (laughs) and it's very frustrating it it absolutely is but i think that it's interesting equating it with survival because if that's the case most of us are a success yeah i i tie my survival though into creativity Mm mm-hmm and I have said often, like, you see these people who are 90, 100 years old and they're, you know, fighting on their deathbed or whatever it is. And I've always said, the second I can't create anymore, mm-hmm. I'm done. If, I'm, if my mind has gotten to the point where I can't write something, put me out. I'm done. I don't yeah, want to be here anymore. That's like how I feel about working out. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. You know, I'm looking at all these like 102-year-old women and men that are like running track races and yeah. doing like 60-yard dashes and I'm like that's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, and there there's this That's easy the gymnast <laughs> Yeah, I mean I I've always worked out. I've always felt like for me it's like when I ha- can't move anymore, yeah. that's when it's like put me out. I would still be fine. I'd be fine if I was completely immobile as long as I could still write. Wow. That's what I would need. Yeah. Because, and look, I'd be frustrated. You know, I, w- I wouldn't be too thrilled about it. You'd be writing a lot of angry things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would need, I would write angsty stuff like Daria. That's yeah. what I would do. I would try yeah. to find the new generation of that. Um, well, Susie, I so appreciate you coming on the show and just letting me, you know, fanboy out a little bit about Daria. My pleasure. And, you know, <laughs> you you created something that spoke to a very important thing in people and to make people who felt marginalized feel less marginalized. And that's that's extremely important. And so, you know, it's nice to be able to talk to someone about that and to say thank you. And and I know that a lot of my fans are too young to have seen Daria. And so I hope that and I know that most of you are savvy enough that you probably have seen it anyway. Um, but for those who haven't, give it a watch. It's it's fantastic, especially the first three seasons. And it was very successful. Yeah, it absolutely <laughs> was successful. Um, anything you want to plug? Uh, n- not really. No. no. All right. Well, I... thanks for thanks for doing it. And 
Uh, as always, has been uh, this has been failing forward. Uh, come on back next week.